Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Uh, happy weekend, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I'm joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we are uh, still, I just get a lot of this technology these days. We're able to uh, broadcast today's show uh, live via Zoom from afar, and it's wonderful. So um, good morning again. And uh, we have on our agenda this morning, I thought we could just do like a wrap up 2020 type show and throw it away. Because for many people, for many different reasons, this year, of course, totally bizarre um, and something that people just want to move past. Of course, as we know, that's not necessarily the case for um, investments in the financial markets. Actually, quite good for the year, it, you know, despite a very bumpy road getting there. But but you know, again, for just wanted to do like a year end broad financial what to do uh, as we approach the end of the year and start a fresh in 2021. Just wanted to kind of touch at a pretty high level on different things like savings, investment strategy, um, reevaluating debt and the plan for paying down different types of debt. 
um, talking about retirement contributions, deadlines, uh, savings uh, limits, stuff like that. And then maybe talk about some some things to think about if you're in a good financial position regarding uh, repositioning assets, etc. We'll we'll sort of get to that at the end if we if we if we have time. So just kind of a broad financial overview, things that we think that people should focus on as you New Year's type, New Year's resolutions type stuff, um, getting your finances in order type stuff. So 781-837-4900 is the phone number if anyone has questions for us today. If you're listening on the South Shore, we're live and Tim is in studio and at the ready to take your call. So I just, I wanted to start, I guess, with some really basic stuff, Kirk, like just just talking about savings and um, savings habits, cash reserves, targets is kind of, I had a little bit of trouble like thinking about this, this particular year because it is such an odd year. And, you know, for many people, you know, for the people that many people were, of course, furloughed, laid off, uh, you know, out of work for a period of time, income suffered. But then on the flip side of that, we had the federal stimulus and unemployment benefits, especially in Massachusetts, were great for a period of time. Um, so, you know, I think hopefully many, many people, their financial, their financial position isn't much worse off than it was uh, earlier this year, even despite the pandemic. I do think that the federal government has done had done a pretty, you know, a great job and and pushing that those stimulus checks to people and bumping unemployment and doing that stuff really quickly, um, so that people could stay on their feet. And and so kudos to people in Congress for that the tough decisions they had to make. And you know, of course, that increases the debt here in our country. But you know, that's another that's an, a topic of conversation for another day, but I just sort of wanted to remind people of savings targets and where they should be in that regard. And and unfortunately, in a period of time like this, where people are unemployed temporarily, uh, it is a good reminder of why you need emergency cash. And so, you know, tough times, uh, unfortunately, remind people of why they should have cash reserves and, and um, you know, why these things are so important. By the way, I hear like weird noise in the background. Are you hearing that too? I feel like I hear someone talking. Uh, no. No. I'm get I'm getting older. Oh it, boy, I do have a big birthday coming up here. Happy okay. birthday. Maybe it's just an echo in the maybe it's just an echo in the audio. But uh, Tim, Tim, you would obviously let me know if it if it was sounding funky. Okay, so just quick reminder: so emergency cash. We've talked about that a hundred thousand times on the show. Um, but again, this is just, this is why it's important because stuff happens that's unpredictable and things come up in your life and, you know, periods of unemployment. And I can't tell you how many people, unfortunately, I've met that have had a large, uh, like medical event in their life and they didn't have reserve cash. And, you know, even though people have, you know, health insurance and we have these mandates in Massachusetts, there are gaps in coverage and, and things that come up that aren't covered by health insurance. And, um, um, you know, that's just another example of emergencies. And, and you know, oftentimes uh, people that have adult children, something comes up with their kids and they have to help them or they want to help them with that. And uh, they have cash needs in that regard. Um, but, you know, think things come up. So so just a quick reminder. So savings targets or cash <laughs> reserves should be about three, I would say even 
upwards of six times your take-home pay. So whatever your after-tax income is, if you're paid every other week, um, if you and your spouse are both working, add up, to, you know, take two paychecks each, uh, multiply that by six, and that should be about what your cash reserves should be. It's a great target. And, and if it's a lofty target, um, don't worry about taking some time to get there and, and build your cash savings. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, yeah, that the general rule of thumb has always been, you know, three to six months uh, worth of living expenses, you know, um, and and I think the, you know, the, the main rationale behind that is basically if, if you lose a job, right? I mean, that's, you know, the, probably the worst thing that could happen is you lose your income and you can't afford to, you know, pay your bills, you know, without, without taking on debt or, or worse, you know, having to, uh, you know, move or, or something like that, you know, that would be pretty drastic, but, and, you know, I, you know, some of the things that I've read, um, you know, they say if, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a household, you know, with two working, uh, people, uh, then, you know, maybe you could have, you know, the three months, uh, because, you know, the odds of, you know, both people losing their job are, are, is less, uh, less likely. Although, although this year we've seen, uh, that happen to people, um, you know, where, you know, where both, both individuals have lost their jobs. I mean, this was a, this was a very abnormal year, but, you know, and then if, if it's one working individual, then, you know, six months, uh, should, should be your target. Um, and again, you know, the rationale is basically, you know, it, it could take you, you know, that, that long, you know, to perhaps, you know, find another job. Uh, and you want to have that cash to, to, to get you through that, through that time, uh, you know, so that you're not taking on debt or borrowing, you know, prematurely from your, um, uh, retirement plans, um, or, or anything like that. And, you know, I, but I've also, you know, there are also people that, you know, they're, you know, maybe more conservative and they want to have, you know, a year's worth of, of cash. That's okay too. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, maybe can't, can't do that or can't accumulate that amount of money, but that, that's certainly not, not a bad, uh, not a bad thing. If you, if you, if you're able to, to put that away, I mean, I would say that's probably, you know, that's definitely on the more conservative side, but you know, if that makes you sleep at night, then uh, go for it. Um, I think, yeah, for, I think for people that are self-employed, like running their own business and maybe only one of the spouses is employed and, and you're, you're just relying on yourself for that income. I think the year's worth of cash is great. I also think that if people have rental properties, uh, I think having a higher cash reserve is good in that regard, especially if you have debt on the rental property, because if there's a period of vacancy or if that property, you know, needs something in order to keep the tenant happy or keep it rented, um, higher cash reserves or even just a separate, you know, real estate property, investment property cash reserves is appropriate. But yeah, I don't think a year's worth of cash is unreasonable and hard for people to keep their money in cash these days. For the people that have sufficient cash or a large cash position, it's sort of hard for them to watch it do absolutely nothing there in cash these days when, especially when the markets have done quite well the second half of the year, um, it, it can be very tempting for people to want to take that money and put it somewhere else. Like, let me just throw it in the markets or in some sort of a portfolio. There's no yield on cash right now. But of course, you know, my guide, my guidance is, you know, especially because this whole pandemic thing 
certainly isn't over. I just, I do think cash is still king. And I think people should just hold their cash for now. You know, unless we're talking about exorbitant amounts of cash, I think, you know, especially just having three to six to 12 months of cash in the bank, even if it's rotting away with inflation, that's okay. Everyone should have some cash behind them. And uh, I don't. I don't think there's really such a thing as too much cash right now, especially if you're uh, working and slightly uncomfortable about job security or just uncomfortable about the pandemic in general. I don't think there's really a thing as too much cash for at least a short period of time. Of course, we should touch on investment strategy. That that doesn't. I'm not talking about if you have cash like in your 401k and you're 40 years old or 50 years old, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just emergency cash in the bank. Keep it in the bank, even if you don't need it, unless we're talking about very large balances, like more than a year or two's worth of, of expenses. Um, so yeah. just a reminder that, that you know, if, if your cash depleted this year and if you are, you know, because of the financial hardship and if, you know, hopefully, you know, if and when you become reemployed, just you know, get on track to build that back up, even if it's really slow. Like I talked to some people who just, they just don't have cash flow right now. And, and, you know, even if it's a hundred or a couple hundred bucks a month, just tuck something away so that slowly over time, you're, you're, you're building that back up. And that's, if it's okay, if it's slow, it's, it's better than nothing. That's a question we get, I mean, daily, right. About, you know, somebody says, well, you know, I have this cash, it's not doing anything in the bank. Well, and we have to, (laughs) we have to be the, uh, you know, the voice of reason, I guess, and just, you know, or, you know, just, you know, to confirm that there, there's nothing out, there's nothing, there's no hidden investment out there that has, you know, zero risk and, and more return than the bank, right. you know, in order, in order to get more, you know, more interest, uh, than, than you can get at the bank, you know, there, there's got, there has to be some element of risk associated with that. There's no, you know, no free lunch, uh, so to speak. And so we try to remind folks that, you know, the reason you have the cash is to protect, you know, the rest of your life. And if you start, you know, taking any risk with that cash, you, you know, you're now you're putting that money uh, at risk and it's, you know, you're doing yourself a, a you know, a, a disservice. And I, I know it's not, I, I get it. I mean, it's not fun to, to sit there and watch your, your money in the bank, not, you know, <laughs> get five cents a month or, or whatever it is. And I know that's not fun but but in the in the grand scheme of your plan uh it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do yeah i just wanted to also like uh, under the heading of savings so you know cash in the bank of course it's i just think it's a good time of year to have people just evaluate their overall savings habits and targets and um you know as we approach a new year you know get you put some goals in place for savings for the coming year. Um, you know, some people will be fortunate enough to have a raise in pay for next year, a cost of living bump or, um, or what have you. And it's just a good time to reevaluate what are my savings out of my paycheck. If hopefully uh, most people listening have some sort of retirement plan, <coughs> excuse me, um, a 401k through an employer. Great. Um, you know, with raises in pay for the coming year, if you're not yet hitting a good savings target, which of course is different for everyone, but just really general rule of thumb, 10 to 15% of your gross pay for many situations is a good target. Um, You know, if you're not close to that uh, and you, 
maybe should be like you haven't already accumulated a large nest egg, for example, um, you know, good time to just reevaluate what are my savings uh, into my into my retirement and is this an opportunity for me to bump it up even if it's a slight bump even if it's you know you're you're uh doing six percent now and you bump it to seven or eight percent like i said it's you know sometimes i chat with people and you know we have these conversations about okay your savings are x percent five or six and we really want you to get to 10 12 15 it's not, you know, not everyone has the ability to just uh, double that contribution and, and not feel that in terms of uh, financial stress in their life, but slow bumps over time, do a percent this year, do a percent next year, do it slowly over time so that it's easier to get used to. And don't forget if you're contributing to a deductible 401k, which most people are, if you're bumping up your contribution by a hundred or a thousand bucks a month, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't hurt that much, I mean, because you're receiving that tax deduction. So if you're adding, if you bump up your your retirement contribution by a hundred bucks a month, that's really gonna feel like for most people, 70 or 80 bucks a month. It's not gonna feel like that hundred bucks a month because you get that tax deduction. Um, and even if you don't notice it, every single month, it's, it'll be reconciled at the end of the year when you go to do your taxes. Um, so just, I just think it's a good opportunity to revisit um, savings habits here as we close out the year, you know, for people that were, um, if you were unemployed for a period of time and now you're back to work, hopefully, or if you've been, you know, remained employed this whole year, fantastic. Um, and hopefully finances are good and take an opportunity to sit down and really think about, am I on a good track for, for retirement, and that's really, really hard for people to know. I guess that's a plug for a financial professional and a real financial plan and model. But um, just general guidelines: if you're, if you don't already have a large nest egg built from either just great savings habits or an inheritance or something, and if you're not yet putting, I would say for most people at least ten or twelve percent away for retirement, then that's it's probably an opportunity to revisit how much you're saving. Um, and, I, and I guess we could talk either now or later, Kirk, about, you know, if you're not saving at all there, you know, there are some people that either aren't taking advantage of retirement plans through their employers, or maybe they don't have a retirement plan through an employer. Um, no excuse. There's always an opportunity to save for retirement, even if you don't have an option through an employer or if you're self-employed. Actually, self-employed people have lots of options mm -hmm. in terms of tucking away money for retirement. So just because there might not be a 401k available to you or a 403b or the like, um, there's there's still a lot of opportunities, um, a lot of options for saving money. Um, go ahead. Wait, you mentioned, um, you mentioned, you know, increasing, you know, your 401k, you know, a percent a year or something like that. And I, I know that, you know, it's becoming more popular that uh, 401ks have that option where you can basically set that up. They have these auto increases, mm -hmm. uh, which I think okay. is a, a great awesome. thing. I mean, cause that's, I mean, that's really uh, for a lot of people, um, you know, myself included, you know, life, life is super busy and, you know, you've got a lot of other things to worry about and think about. And, you know, it's, you know, set it and forget it. 
And if you can, you know, set that up in your plan where basically they increase your contributions by like 1% per year, you can do that uh, a lot, not all the time, yeah. but, but, I, but, I, but you're starting to see it more in, in these 401k plans. Uh, that basically it's called an auto increase and, right. and they'll just do it automatically every year. You know, they'll, they'll take 1% more, uh, you know, out of your paycheck and put it in your 401k. And if you think of it, you know, uh, I know that this is not always the case, but a lot of, you know, most people get some kind of a cost of living, you know, increase each year, you know, maybe, you know, one, two, three percent, you know, somewhere in that range. And so if you're just kind of taking that, um, um, you, you know, you, you're basically in the same place and, you know, you don't even feel it. And, and that's all about, you know, that's, that's totally what it is, is, you know, just doing it, not thinking about it because if you say, Oh, well, I'm going to do it, you know, later or next year, you're going to forget. Uh, that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, that's, that's nobody's fault. That's just kind of human nature. And, uh, yeah. so if you, if you make, if you make the, you know, an active decision to just do it now and set it up and then you don't have to worry about it, uh, you know, next year. Yeah, so here's like a real task for our listeners. If you are in your working years and you're accumulating years and you have an employer-sponsored plan, and if you're not yet either maxing it out or putting 10 to 15% away, log on, you know, get in the front of the computer right now, log on and just bump up that contribution a percent or two. And you can always lower it. Um, it's very rare these days to have like for employees to impose restrictions regarding how frequently you can change those. Uh, I, I know that those do exist, but I think it's pretty rare. Most people can just pop online right now and, and change those contributions. And there's no like opening open window for, you know, and restriction regarding being able to do that. Most people can just do that whenever they would like, which is great. So you can always change it back. I suppose most for most people, you could just change it back if it things get too tight um you know in the coming months you can always just jump on and change it back i, I should say again for most people some there are some retirement plans and some employers that impose restrictions on how frequently you can change those contributions because for some employers where the the payroll isn't automated they you know there's work associated with changing um contributions mostly if that's smaller employers might impose those restrictions um and I know we just have a couple minutes here before we need to take a break, but I do want to start getting into talking about um, just reevaluating your investments. Where is your money? Uh, how is it invested? Uh, you know, are you appropriately invested? This is a great time for people. Markets are great. It's a great time for people to reevaluate their investment strategy. Is it appropriate for you? Are you approaching retirement? And this is an opportunity to lower risk. Were you nervous a few, you know, nine months ago? And this is, or seven, eight months ago. And, and this is an opportunity to lower risk because uh, if you didn't go to cash at the time, then then your, your accounts just should have more than recovered from the downturn. Um, are, your, are you in cash because you panicked and you need to come up with a plan to get back in? So I want to touch on, you know, those different, I want to touch on some different situations and just give some people some things to think about regarding uh, evaluating their investment strategy. And if you have no idea what your investment strategy is, time to do a little homework and 
and lo- you know log onto some websites or pull out some statements and figure out um, you know how how you're invested and does it match your life circumstances and and your needs and your time horizon. So um, we are going to take a break and we're going to come back and get into that reevaluating your vest- investment strategy as we close out wrap up 2020 and throw it away. Uh, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, joined by my husband and business partner Kirk Reed, and we're just doing like a broad financial overview year-end type stuff today. Uh, Just quick, easy things to think about and get yourself on a better track for a better financial footing, we should say. So uh, we're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by Kirk Reed this morning, my husband and business partner. Um, We are not live in studio today, but we are live from home studio with amazing technology these days. So uh, can still give us a call and ask us any questions. 781-837-4900 is the number in the studio. Um, And we are just uh, in lieu of that. We are just... um, Talking about year-end type stuff, I like, this is, I guess one of my, well, the Roth IRA show is my favorite show for sure. And then followed by the tax shows. But but this is a good show because third, I just think it's a good. Your third favorite. It was my third favorite, yeah. Um, I just, it, it is, it's just a good opportunity to do like a, I don't know, like a holistic, is, is, that, is that the right word? Like a, um, just a really quick, broad, here's some good financial behavior. And if you can check off one or two things or improve one or two things in your financial life, um, that's great. And and people should be happy with progress in that regard. Um, so we talked about, you know, just about savings habits and, and I, and I was, I guess I was trying to tread a little bit lightly there because I know it has been a tough year and continues to still be a tough year for many people and with employment changes and, furloughs and layoffs and all that stuff. But, you know, hopefully with unemployment and, and stimulus and things like that, hopefully people are staying on their feet. Um, and so, yeah, so, so treading lightly there again, if cash was depleted or used up or shrunk, or if you've never had emergency cash, then just something to think about in terms of well, it's great to have cash behind you because yeah. you don't have to rely on a credit card at 10 or 20%. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I meet with, large amounts of credit card debt because they never had an emergency reserves account. And it's not that they were, you know, spending on frivolous things, but just stuff, necessary stuff comes up in your life that you need cash for. And it's better to have some in the bank than to, you know, use a credit card and then spend years and years trying to pay that off. So I think that's with, a good, with high interest. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I yeah. mean, th- there definitely have been people that um, this has been, a, this has been a terrible year, uh, you know, financially speaking and, um, you know, so if, if you're in that situation where you have, you know, depleted your cash uh, and, and maybe even, you know, had to take on some debt, you know, then, you know, your, I mean, don't, I mean, I, we can't give advice because, you know, we don't, uh, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on out there, but, uh, but, but probably, you know, that should be a, a number one priority is, is building that cash back up. 
um, mm. if, if, if that's because, you know, it's just then it's just going to be a, a cycle of, you know, never having, you know, never be able to cover those things and and always be, ta- you know, taking on debt and or, um, you know, uh, getting into your retirement plan early. And, you know, that's what the cash is there for. Uh, it's for, you know, help, helping uh, protect, you know, the rest of your uh, the rest of your finances uh, so that hopefully you can, um, you know, have a have a you know financially successful uh, life. Um, so yeah, so if that should you know that should always you know pretty pretty much in, in most cases that should be number one priority is having that emergency cash. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about let's talk about investment strategy, um, asset allocation type stuff. Um, just making sure people understand. Well, making sure you don't. I guess people don't have to fully understand their investment strategy, but um, at least should understand like roughly stock bond ratio, level of risk, potential for return. Um, At least want people to understand the connection between investment time horizon and investment strategy. There's a very close connection there. Uh, At least there should be. Um, And, and, you know, I, there's just a lot of people that just have no idea what what their money is doing, what it's invested in. Even if it's, even if your money's been doing great, it's you should just you should still evaluate um, how is it invested and is it appropriate for me. Um, I, I was just going to say, like there are some people that um, you know have put together an investment strategy or an investment strategy is recommended to them when they like get their first job and they're putting money in their 401k and then they never look at it again. And on one hand, that's great because, because some of the most successful investors are the ones that don't look and they, and they, you know, they don't look and they don't panic and they just, you know, forget it, set it and forget it kind of thing. So on one hand, that's really great. Um, And, and those people will close their eyes and 20, 30 years later, that money should be a lot larger than it was to start. And that's wonderful. Um, but you know, having said that it is good to over time, especially as you get closer to needing certain chunks of money, um, evaluate how it's invested and just make sure it's still appropriate. Um, so I was just thinking through like some different situations. So number one, the, the stock markets, um, especially the U S market has, um, has been really great. I mean, we had this crazy bonkers year, this really volatile year in the market, um, which is a little bit of an anomaly because we haven't had much portfolio volatility in about a decade. It had actually been like 11 years um, since we had a really, was it the first bear market technically in 11 years? I think we had had corrections in the last decade, which is defined as a, as a market down more than 10% from its high. But I actually don't think we had had a market, a bear market, which is defined as, as a market down 20% or more from its high um, since the financial crisis over a decade ago. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, and for the U.S. market. And um, so we, ju- we just hadn't, there hadn't been a lot for people to panic about in the markets with regard to their money uh, in, in a long time. And um, so when, when we go through long periods of good markets without much uh, in the way of a downturn, that can lead to people 
being more aggressive with their money than they would have in a different type of a market. So people's, you know, one of the things we talk about with, with people is tolerance for risk or risk tolerance. This is a, this is a very common term in our world. And, um, and it's just, you know, it's, people have different comfort level with seeing the value of their money go down. Everybody likes volatility on the upside, but, but uh, people have a different tolerance for it on the downside in terms of when they'll panic or if they will panic when they see, even if they know it's like temporary, when they see certain uh, balances. And so, you know, what, one of our jobs as, as a financial advisor is to assess someone's tolerance for downward fluctuation and put them into a a portfolio that we think is suitable, number one, for their life and situation and time horizon, but also number two, what's appropriate for their comfort level. And now that can be hard because oftentimes when we're making these recommendations, we kind of like just met these people, right? We're making portfolio recommendations within, you know, literally within working hours of meeting people, you know, you have an hour or so meeting and then another hour or so meeting and then maybe one more. And like, um, so it, 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 you know, you're, you're doing our best. And of course, using our professional opinion and experience and all that, but sometimes it can be hard because you just, you don't, you don't know someone all that well in the first even year of, of working with them. But, but anyway, um, people's tolerance for risk changes with age and, and with, um, and with the markets sometimes. With the mar- yeah, I was going to say, like, it changes. Of course, it changes with the markets. It also changes with the size of the dollars involved. Like, someone who's, you know, 30 years old, number one, ha- has a long time and, and hopefully has a high tolerance for risk with retirement money. Um, but also, most 30 year olds just don't have as much money as someone who's 60 because they haven't had their whole working life yet to save money. So if your you know, $50,000 401k is down 30%, you know, that's only, what, what is that, $15,000, right? right. Yep. If you're 60 and your million dollar 401k is down 30%, that's $300,000. So people's tolerance for risk changes with these different factors. Of course, balances, that one's an easy one to understand just because the numbers are so much bigger. Um, but yeah, to your point, they people's tolerance for risk changes with markets. And when we have a long period of time of mark, with the exception of uh, winter to, or to, into spring 2020, we had about a 10 year period of good market. So people were just very comfortable with investing and, and, you know, aggressive investment strategies and making money in the stock markets and, and, and people enough time had passed since the financial crisis, which was end of 07, 08, early 09. Um, those, the, those in, in the stock market anyway, that, um, that didn't encompass the whole crisis, of course, but in the, the financial markets, um, people enough time had passed since then that people kind of not totally forgot, but, but people were just more comfortable with investing because they haven't had to deal with seeing any sort of significant downturn. So what I'm, what I'm, what I'm leading into is that leading into this bear market that we had early in 2020 from February, I'm forgetting the exact dates, mid February to mid March, um, people might have been, more aggressively invested than 
they knew that they were comfortable with. And so um, what, ha- what happened was like people's, and then we have this, you know, market where, where in five weeks, the S&P 500 was, the U.S. market was down, what, 35% or something in like, five yeah. weeks. So people go through 10, 11 years of like things being pretty good, not much of a correction. And then all of a sudden, if you had an aggressive investment strategy, you're down 34 30, 40% in a month. Temporarily, of course, as we know, now that we're beyond it, we, we have, you know, we have perspective, of course. But um, I, I just think now that this is behind us, it's just a good opportunity for people to remember how did you feel in that market? And and there were a lot of people, I, I, I know there were a lot of people, of course, that were nervous and uncomfortable and nobody's really comfortable with their, with the value of their investments going down. But, but um, you know, how, how uncomfortable was it? Did you, did you really panic? Were you losing sleep? Were you genuinely worried about if you were going to financially be okay for the rest of your life? And, and if that was the case, here we are. Hold on. I'm sorry. The, the, the downfalls of, of broadcasting from home. Can you close that door? Yes. Can you close that door? Can you close that door? Thank you. Yes. Can you close that door? <laughs> they're so cute, my kids. But yes, they, they even actually they're, they're pretty good when we broadcast the show from home. But, um, that was actually our youngest, um, holding up a note for me. So she wasn't trying to talk to me. She was actually talking, but she was holding up a note for me. So at least they're trained in order to, I know when mommy can't talk to me, but she can still talk on the, on the air and read this note. Um, so they're going to finish their Harry Potter movie. So hopefully there will be fewer distractions. Anyway, what uh, was I, I talking about? Well, <laughs> well, so I had, yeah, I had a, you know, a couple I've had this similar question a couple times this year. So, you know, as you, as you were saying, you know, you know, last year was, it was a great year uh, in the markets. Um, And I mean, the year before that was, uh, was down a little bit, but, but yeah, over the past, yeah, roughly 10 years or so, it's been mostly good years uh, in in the U S stock market uh, in particular, Mm -hmm. you know, last year being amazing, you know, so everybody was feeling really good, you know, balances yeah. were, you know, much higher than they were, uh, you know, a year ago. And then we go through February and March and people see this big drop. And for, you know, for those people that, you know, stuck it out, you know, they, they, you know, they, it went down, they saw that, but they let it recover. And then, you know, then it, we got past it. A lot of people, a lot, several people asked the question, well, what do I do now so that that doesn't happen again? Right. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't feel, you know, that that didn't feel good to them, you know, after having that big number, watching it go down. OK, I got it back. I don't want to I don't want to go through that again. So, you know, I guess one takeaway from that is, well, yep, you were too aggressive. Right. If 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 you if you weren't comfortable watching your money going down, you know, X percent, you're 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 invested too aggressively um, yeah. because it's going to happen again at some point. I don't know when. Uh, but, but that, that, that there's a very good chance that could happen again in your lifetime, um, you know, either to that, to that magnitude or that, or at that speed. Um, and that could happen anytime. And if you didn't like it, then you need to get more conservative because it could happen again. Uh, so that, yeah. that's, num- that's number one. Uh, and you know, the other thing is, you know, they were like, well, I, I want to go to cash or I want to go to something, you know, conservative so that, so that it doesn't do that again. And okay, I mean, I, I totally get the question, but you know, if you're, let's say, you know, 
and for these people, they're probably, you know, getting close to retirement. And so they feel like they need to, you know, kind of switch to preservation mode, um, mm-hmm. which is which is true to, to an extent. Um, but, you know, our argument is that, you know, if you go completely to something safe or or very conservative, you know, that money's not going to really grow, you know, net of the effects of inflation and taxes for the rest of your life. If you're, you know, if you're approaching, you know, you know, mid 60s and you're thinking about retirement, and, you know, your life expectancy is, you know, 85 or, or 90 or whatever it is, you still have 20 plus years, 25 years. And if you go to something conservative, you're going to see your, you know, your purchasing power erode over time as everything, you know, continues to get more expensive. And so, you know, getting more conservative, okay, but, you know, but getting too conservative, that, you know, that's a risk also. Um, and so, you know, we had to have some, you know, we, and we had some really good conversations with these folks about, you know, what are you, you know, what are you giving up by, by doing that? And, and does that really make sense? Um, and we can, you know, model that in their plan as far as, okay, if you, you know, if you're going to go get really conservative, you know, then we can, you know, make a, make an assumption for what that rate of return is going to be. And does that still work in your plan? If it does, you know, okay. Uh, but, but it, but if it doesn't, uh, which in most cases it, it probably doesn't, um, you know, and then we have to kind of come to a middle ground where, yeah, maybe we get a little conservative, but you still need to have some stock exposure, uh, in, you know, in order to, to grow your money over, over, over the rest of your life. Um, you brought up two things that I just wanted to elaborate on. Number one, um, well, you talked about preservation mode, and I, and I do want to get into that. Um, there are different, well, and you also brought up, like, if you were, to, if you were really nervous back in February and March, you were, you might've been, and if you were nervous to the point where I want to go to cash, I want to buy gold, I want to make a change to my investment, I want to fire my financial professional, I want to, you know, put my money under the mattress type stuff. Um, or, and if you, if you, if you had those thoughts or if you followed through with those thoughts and if you followed through with those, I guess, and or if you followed through with those thoughts, um, you were too aggressively invested. It, again, because of what we talked about earlier, where in tolerance for risk changes with markets, you didn't know you were too aggressively invested because you hadn't had to deal with that in, in about 10 years. So, um, you know, that that's almost, almost like wasn't your fault, but but it, this is a good gut check. If, that ha- if, if that's how I felt earlier, I hope you rode through it and didn't make a change and rode the markets back up and, and your portfolio recovered and is now better than it was, you know, higher than it was earlier in the year. Um, if you felt that way, um, absolutely this is an opportunity to make a portfolio change. And I don't nec- like to your point, it doesn't necessarily mean now is the time to go to, to go to cash, put it under the mattress or buy gold. Um, but a slight change in investment strategy can be very helpful and very powerful in terms of your sanity going through the next down market that we have whenever that is. And, you know, that could be next year, that could be in five, 10, 15 years. We, you, you don't know. Um, but this is an opportunity for people to lower risk if they are, if they were having those feelings a uh, month or so, a month or so uh, earlier this year. Um, and I also think, I, know, I, I also, I also, yeah. I also just, I, although this is the year where, ta- like, how is time flying? I feel like it is, it, it is, but, but this is, you know, life is just so different <laughs> this year. How is time actually flying? Um, 
This is also an opportunity to, you know, U.S. markets were at an all-time high, what, earlier this week, right, or late last week. And and, um, it's just an opportunity for people who are approaching retirement to be very thankful for the markets we've had in the past decade um, and, and maybe take an opportunity to lock in some of those gains and do a slight downshift in risk. So there are different, there are different definitions of uh, preservation mode. You use that word, which, which I like, and and I do think it's appropriate for people to um, work themselves into preservation mode slowly over time as they approach uh, retirement for retirement funds or just really approach the a time in their life when they're going to start to need income from their assets. Um, but there are different definitions of preservation mode on the far end of the spectrum is cash in the bank, money into the mattress, um, and, and buying gold. I would group that into that category. Um, and, but there are, there are other ways to do that. Like, again, one end of the spectrum is this cash money in a shoebox, And then the other end is an aggressive investment strategy. And there's lots of stuff in between. Um, there are a lot of strategies where you can have your primary objective, preservation of my capital, meaning I worked really hard for my life and or I inherited this money and I just, I want to preserve what I have. I don't want to lose it. That can, that you can still have an investment strategy where that's your primary goal. But to your point, you don't, uh, uh, what's different from like a balanced investment strategy and cash in the bank or, or money under the mattress is with at least a balanced or a moderately conservative investment strategy, at least over long periods of time, you should outpace inflation. So you're not having that erode your purchasing power. So you're, you're actually not, you're not actually losing money uh, you, over time. You, of course, not guaranteed with a, with a, um, like a balanced or even a moderately conservative investment strategy, which is different from that far end of the spectrum, which is um, cash earning nothing, which over time, um, will be eroded with taxes and inflation. So I just wanted to, you know, of course people should understand that there's, it doesn't have to be one extreme or the other, and you can slowly work, you know, work your way down in risk over time. Um, and I just, I think this is a great opportunity to do that. I've made some phone calls, uh, this fall, um, you know, to some clients who have been aggressive for a long time and the markets, you know, have been very cooperative and in the last 10 years, and it's just, you know, maybe they'll, I hope they continue to be cooperative, but, um, it's, I just think it's an opportunity for people to, to, to not be greedy and to say, you know, this has been great. I've grown my wealth in this aggressive strategy. And here I am within, you know, X number of years of retirement, you know, you know, three, four, five, whatever it is. And, and, you know, maybe I'll just ratchet it down a little bit just in case something happens. So I just think it's a great opportunity for people to do that. Um, I, I would never pretend to predict the markets, but, um, I just, you know, when markets are at all time highs and especially when it like almost kind of doesn't make sense that they're at all time highs, given what's going on in the world, I just think it's a good opportunity for a gut check in your portfolio allocation. Sorry to interrupt. What were you going to say? I was going to say I had a good, um, just kind of a good example to share. I had a, I had a nice phone call with some folks uh, a week or so ago. And, you know, when we first met, you know, we had that conversation about risk tolerance and, you know, based on, you know, we have a little questionnaire, you know, that we're able to score and, and then we have a conversation and, you know, so they, they were, they were pretty conservative, you know, they were kind of nervous uh, about, you know, about the markets and things like that. So we went with a, you know, a fairly conservative investment strategy 
And, you know, but it's, you know, it's been working, it's been doing what it's supposed to do. And then when, um, so, so they got nervous. And so actually, so actually to, to be, to be honest, we, you know, we weren't actually managing the money for them. They had their money like in a, you know, retirement plan. Uh, at work, so we just you know we gave them some recommendations uh, for a strategy. They implemented it you know on their on on their own, but you know to our to our instructions, mm-hmm. and then and then without consulting us, um, they went to cash. Uh, actually, oh. before, well, not during not during the downturn, but actually right before the election. Uh, so they okay. were nervous, they were nervous about the election. And oh yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. So they were nervous about the election. They went to cash. Um, you know, so, you know, they missed a little bit of upside, right? Because actually things have gone done well, uh, you know, before and during and after the election. Um, but, but the point is, you know, sometimes people will just say, you know, put me in whatever portfolio you think is going to earn the most. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, that's not, that doesn't work because, you know, we put them in something that was pretty conservative and yet they still were nervous about it. And, mm. you know, and then they were asking me, you know, well, what should we do now? And, you know, and I was trying, you know, I was thinking, you know, you know, we've been having these conversations internally in our, in our company about how, you know, you know, bonds are probably not going to do so well, uh, you know, over the next five to 10 years because of interest rates. And so, you know, we, you know, we might actually start talking to people about maybe bumping up their stock exposure a little bit. Um, and so, you know, so for these particular folks, I'm thinking, well, maybe a 60, 40, you know, 60% stocks and 40% bonds. I think that that would be, I think that would be in their best interest, you know, going forward. However, you know, they had a more conservative strategy in the past and they still, you know, weren't quite comfortable with it. So even though I think, you know, having more stocks would be better for them over the long run, you know, if, if somebody is not going to stick with the strategy, then, you know, it doesn't make any sense to do that. Um, so, it, you know, going back to that risk conversation, you have to figure out what you're going, you know, what you're what you're truly comfortable with and can stick with through, you know, through good markets and bad. Because, you know, getting in and out and changing strategies at, at, at bad times, it's, you know, that's going to, you know, that's going to be a drag on performance. Um, and, you know, this this is the this is the, probably the hard, you know, one of the hardest parts of our job is, you know, trying to line somebody up uh, with with the proper portfolio, something you know, something that they're going to stick with because that's that's the only thing that's going to you know work. Um, I think that probably the reason. Well, I swear Kirk didn't just team me up for this. We didn't communicate regarding this in advance, but I I think that that is an opportunity to explain that this is probably related to that particular. Cl- I can't call them a client because they weren't a client. That particular person just didn't know what to do and they didn't have someone in their life regularly. If you know that you guys had just had like a, a transactional type relationship and you kind of, you know, set them on their way and you don't, you, we don't have an ongoing relationship with them. I just, I have to take the opportunity for like a little bit of a plug for if you have a financial professional in your life ongoing and if, you know, you guys had had a formal relationship and you were managing, you know, even some of their money, of course, we don't for everyone manage all money because 
all of their money because a lot of it is tied up in employer plans that we can't manage. But if you were in their life as like a presence ongoing and you guys had a formal relationship, they probably would have picked, hopefully they would have picked up the phone and said, what do I do? I'm nervous. And and I, I, that's just a little bit of a plug for having someone in your life that can give you perspective and talk you through these things so that you don't make a mistake. And I want to continue that because I actually have some numbers to go through, but I hear that music. So um, you're listening to McNamara on Money. We're just taking a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're talking about wrapping up 2020 and throwing it away. Uh, And we are uh, taking a quick break and we'll be right back.